Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gabby. And we are two first-year physical therapy students sharing our grad school experiences to help PT students around the world. Embark on this journey with us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. Looking for a gift for a friend, classmate, professor, co-host of a podcast, or really anyone? Physiomemes got your back with apparel, drinkware, and home decor. And if you go to physiomemes.com, you can get a 20% off coupon with the code gratitude, spelled G-R-A-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous. In this episode, we chat with Anand, who is a first-year PT student who just started PT school, and this is more of a Q&A. We focus a lot on advice for anatomy and other first-year classes. Yes, Anand had some really great questions for us, and we had some great ones for him. And at this point, he was just starting his physical therapy journey, so a lot of it was going more into anatomy and what to expect during a lot of the classes in your first semester. We had a great conversation with him, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of Gratitude, everyone. So for today's episode, we have a fellow PT student just started first year of PT school, and um, here we have Anand. So welcome to the podcast. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Oh, we're so pumped because we love talking to PT students. We love talking to pre-PT students and let the people know, everyone who's listening, um, what happened today and what brought you to this moment? Okay, so today um, I had my first patient examination class at 8 a.m. And um, it's not really like undergrad where you kind of spend an hour on the syllabus and then you get to go home. You kind of just dived right into to you know, group collaboration, and um, we had a one-hour break, and then we went into my biomechanics class, which I was nervous about because not a lot of people like physics, including me, but today she emphasized, like, might only be a touch on physics, and it'll mostly be concepts, so I was very ecstatic about that, and um, so I had quite a journey. Um, I went into my freshman year of undergrad thinking about PT, but not actually believing myself to actually, you know, accomplish getting into school because it was just so difficult. And then, which each year passed by, it was getting more and more competitive. So like, that's more discouragement that I just kept feeling. And um, I actually, like my undergrad, I went to Michigan State for undergrad and my counselor actually told me that I had no chance of getting in and that I should switch um, majors and, and do this and that. And I just kept listening to my family, and they're like, if you put your mind to it, you, you really can do it. And um, it required some some drastic changes in study habits and, you, like, what motivated me in terms of my goals. And um, so I kind of, like, before junior year started, I, I had a one-month break um, in the summer, and I kind of sat down and I reflected on what I really needed to do um, in terms of applying GRE getting my prereq grades up and um it's like my only goal is just being able to apply because like there's so many requirements so I'm like okay I just want to be able to apply so I went from that goal of just like having the requirements done it's like okay I, 
I just want to get into one school. This is one school. And then as like applications rolled around, I'm like, okay, I just want to get one interview, just one interview. I just kept using that motto, just like, okay, I have a chance. Like one school will have to like me. So um, I really turned around my grades because I know PT school is like um, the last 60 credit hours and the upward trend. So um, I'm kind of thankful I didn't do too well my freshman year, just so I could just show that I could do really well my junior and senior year. And then that's when I started taking classes in my major. Um, I majored in kinesiology. So I started doing well in those courses. And of course, chemistry tripped me up here and there. And um, my intro physics class tripped me up. But uh, I knew that um, not every school is just going to look at your GPA and it's a strict number and then your GRE is a quantitative analysis. I know that they want to see other things in terms of experience. So um, that junior year, after completing my junior year, I got my grades up so I had more confidence and I actually started seeking out um, shattering opportunities. And luckily for me, um, I, my roommate freshman year, his dad ended up being the director of rehab, um, at the Cleveland clinic for four hospitals. So it was like enormous. So I never thought I'd actually get a chance to like shadow him or like do anything within that like setting because it's just like the Cleveland clinic and inpatient so hard to get. So, um, I actually reached out to him and I said, um, I'd like to shadow you. And if not, I'd like to just as a volunteer in the departments and help um, PTs and OTs just like wheelchair follows and, and, you know, like fetching heat packs and cold packs and just fetching water. And I'm like, I'm going to say, I just want a foot in the door and it's like in that setting. And he invited me with full arms to come shadow him for a month. Um, I didn't shadow him physically, but he kind of set me up. He knew so many PTs. So he kind of set me up in various settings. So my first like real shadowing, experience was inpatient I was rotated one week in skilled nursing one week in subacute one week in acute rehab and then one week in outpatient so it was like it was amazing I did like 100 hours in 30 days it was, it was unreal so after that um I'm like okay I have a shot like I as I kicked it into full gear I'm like okay nothing stopping me now from applying because if one school likes what I did in my experience and that's all I need so then my next big climb was a GRE and um, I was not good at it at first. It took, I was trying to cram studying within a month because all these other people are like, oh yeah, it only takes a month. But I know everyone's different and I'm not a good standardized test taker because ACT, I took it like three times. So um, I just trusted the process. I knew my verbal was, was where it was like tripping me up a little bit. So I used to, I was watching the NBA finals and each game of the finals, I memorized 50 words and just do that each night and like every other night. And that really skyrocketed my verbal score. And that was actually my weakness. So I took it for the first time, June 15th um, of what, 2017, I think. And I got a 300 on the dot, 150 in each section. So like I was happy. And then my dad kind of pressured me. He's like, hey, you should take it again. And I'm like, dad, like, if I don't do well the second time, it could ruin everything. And then I looked at my GPA, and it was, I think, a 3.35. And my prereq was also around there. So I knew that was kind of a risk factor, especially in terms of applying to schools in Michigan, because it's, it's weirdly competitive to get into school in Michigan. I don't know why. I know, I know there's 
there's certain states that there's more or less programs, but like they, a lot of schools in Michigan just really look at your GPA and GRE and didn't really like consider your experiences. That's what I went through at least. So I'm like, okay, um, if I don't get in my first cycle, I'm going to like look back and say, did I do everything I could? Because at that point I had a month before I could apply. Um, well, it was mid-June, but I could apply July 1st. So I'm like, okay, why not take it again and just kind of fine-tune what I did wrong and not really freak out because, like, initial test day anxiety is, is a real thing because you're just in a new environment. You don't know how the test is structured. I drank too much water, so I had to go to the bathroom too much. So, like, I just, like, fixed small things that really made a difference, and I got a 310 my second time. So it wasn't a drastic increase, but it just, I feel like it showed schools I was consistent and willing to take it again. And um, people always say like, you can, you should only take it once. You don't want to take it twice. But then I'm like, I don't know if I can just show that, uh, that I'm consistent test taker, then maybe it could pay off in my end. So I took it twice and um, I thank my dad for, I guess, pushing me to do it again. And so I applied with, like I said, a three three five, and then like even like a three two nine prereq GPA is like pretty low. I didn't do too well in my Gen Chem classes, and um, like I said, physics, and then my GRE was a three ten, and then I ended up. So my senior year, I did um, a lot of shadowing and like outpatient clinics just to boost hours, and I ended up getting some good relationships with my letters, like that were actual PTs. And um, I think they vouched for me very well because it's like they they figured I'd be a good clinician one day because one time in Cleveland, actually, um, a patient, she there's only one PT assigned with this patient and um, she's kind of unstable. So I was like holding on to the gate belt just in case, like, because I, I figured that she might fall, I don't know. And she ended up falling and like I had to put all my strength into keeping her hoisted up and like saved her from falling and the PT he's like he's like you just saved me from a lawsuit and all this stuff and I'm like I don't know if that's the best thing for you to admit but he's like he's like he's like you're right for this field you got it like he's like you're, you're right so like right when he told me that hearing it from a natural PT I'm like okay this is like maybe I should believe in myself a little more and then, so that kind of progressed me to kick it into full gear when applying and um so I applied to 15 schools it's a lot I was just scared because of my low GPA, obviously. And um, now that I look back on it, I wish I only applied to seven or eight, obviously, because four of the schools like just never responded to me. And then I ended up getting interviews at eight schools, which was crazy. I had, like my first day of cadaver lab, my senior year of high, of uh, undergrad, my first interview came in and it was a school in Texas. And it was just like, it's one of a long shot school. It was kind of like a backup plan, but I was like so thankful they gave me an interview early because then I could practice for my other schools. So then like probably every 15 days I got interview after interview after interview. And then um, I ended up taking a leading, it's called leading PT. They have an interview course. So I ended up taking that and that really like helped me because they, they did a mock interview and they had some guest speakers on like what they look for. Um, for applicants and stuff so practice practice practiced I 
I usually love like listening to music in my car, but for that week, I'll just turn the music off and just like practicing answers. I'm just like, oh, why I want to be PT and what brought me here and like different patient scenarios. So like that really helped because I feel like I interview day, you don't want to be saying something for the first time and then kind of trip up and say, um, and uh. so I just eliminated that. And then, cause I wasn't the best public speaker or just like speaking in front of a panel. So that kind of scared me. So I just like prepared, prepared. Then it just came acceptance after acceptance. It was crazy. And I never would have believed that like I had such a, like, it was kind of a fun time in <laughs> senior year of under, I thought it'd be stressful waiting for all these responses. But like, usually if like you get an interview, your foot's in the door, they like you a lot. They just want to make sure you're like a normal, competent human being. So what I found out is like after I killed each interview, the schools would not take that long to get back to me. They're like, oh, okay, you're in, you're in, you're in. So that was, it was crazy. And, and what I think really helped me for the interviews was I researched each major faculty member. I would write down what they were involved in, what research, their position. I would know their first and last name before showing up to the interview. And I think that has put me ahead of some other applicants. Um, and it's kind of took away my fear of just like them looking at my GPA and GRE and stuff. And it's like more like, I just want to get to know them as a person because they just want to get to know me as a person. And then the big interview came November 22nd to where I'm at right now. And it was not how you expected it to go. Cause I missed my flight from Michigan to North Carolina the night before for the interview so my interview was at 8 a.m my flight was out of michigan at 6 p.m and i would get into north carolina around what 9 10. flight got completely canceled the next flight out was noon the next day in the middle of my interview so i was like debating on whether to drive 12 hours or just like i wanted to reschedule the interview which i tried to do and they said the only um, available date is next week, next Friday. And I had another you in Manhattan that I already bought a ticket to. So I really did not know what to do because I paid for the flight. I, I, at that point, I really wanted to go to NYU because it's NYU. But then um, so I'm like, okay, I can't mess up two opportunities in, in this one sitting. So I'm like, okay. What, what else can I do? Like, this is one of my dream programs. And she's like, okay, we can do a virtual interview. And I'm like, oh God, like I'm screwed because I want the, I want the faculty to meet me and I want to, I want to like take part of the interview festivities and the tour and like meet other applicants. And like, I just had to swallow that that wasn't going to happen. And thankfully the admissions committee was very like understanding and like, this has happened before and we don't expect students to be able to like make the interview and when it comes to adverse circumstances she was very helpful but after that night I feel like I just messed up my entire like life because I'm like this was the biggest opportunity I've ever had it's one of the best programs in the nation and I'm just like I, I screwed it up even though I didn't screw it up it was just like a canceled flight and um so the whole next day I was just like in my room like okay I'm an idiot like I screwed everything up. I kind of just like was depressed for a whole day. And then I woke up Sunday and I'm like, okay, I have one, sh one, one shot in this virtual interview. Let's see what I can do. So I, I just I actually skipped my undergrad classes Monday through Wednesday just to prepare for this interview. Had it Thursday. And then that Saturday I got a call 
and saying I got in. And it was, it was unreal. I was like, it was crazy. Cause my sister's like, every, my mom, of course, she's like, everything happens for a reason. Something good will come out of it. I, I just wasn't having it. Like mom, like nothing good can come out of a canceled flight to my interview. Like, what do you mean? And I ended up just working out fine. I went to my NYU interview and got in there and then I made the decision right before Christmas and then I just relaxed all second semester. So it was, it was a crazy, crazy application cycle for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, we, I've never heard that story before or of someone missing an interview. And I mean, like in the moment, you all these emotions come and you're like what do I do the school's not going to understand like you know all these circumstances that were out of your control you think like they're not you know they're not going to understand and then with rescheduling and having another interview I'm just so glad that you were able to do a virtual interview and you were still prepared as you were in person so anybody listening if this ever happens to you then virtual interviews are fine like they're not they're not in person mm -hmm. however you still prepare the same yeah because you're still talking to uh you know face to face with the faculty member or student that you would be you know sitting with in person so just know that that's just as important even if you can't be there physically in person but it must have been the best feeling in the world to get that call and yeah say that you are accepted into um into the current program that you're in and that's just that's so exciting yeah i did i couldn't believe it because usually they email or like something through a portal and it was just this call from the area code of north carolina i'm like who the, who the heck's calling me from there and they just let me know and it's like at that moment it just proved to me like if you really believe and and like do the work on the other end but also just not get discouraged by people telling you you can't do something and just like always say you have a shot because like i'm the definition of like low gpa mediocre gre um my counselor told me to switch majors everyone around me was saying oh yeah you won't get into pt school just don't just like try to switch to business and this and that and i just never listened and um, it just brought me to the point of just like, now that I did all that, I'm like, okay, nothing can stop me from getting through PT school now. So well, it's just crazy for all those people listening to this that are scared or like worried about applying, just, just put your best foot forward and, and send that app in. You never know what will happen. You really don't. So. Yeah, exactly. Because did you have anyone tell you, Gabby, did you have people tell you like, oh, don't even bother? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that a lot of people have that because that's terrible. And that happened to me at least three times in undergrad with different people, different advisors, different professors, because they truly, I mean, they have good intentions. They don't want to see you fail, but it's, it's very discouraging. And don't take that to heart. Yes. People listening, don't take it to heart because it's just not true. Mm -hmm. Yep. Definitely. But did you have any questions for us of what to expect kind of your first now semester? That you already have yes. day one. <laughs> Congratulations. You're here. Day one. <laughs> What's next? Um, so not like I was lucky enough to have cadaver lab in my undergrad and it was a big learning curve because my first practical, I kind of just like 
I didn't, I didn't really make use of the lab time. I was just kind of in there just like watching other people and like, I didn't really know what the structures I was looking at before lab. And that kind of bit me in my butt before or during the practical. So then I, I learned, I looked up at this guy that like, I would see he was touching everything. He was like touching all the bones and he was touching all the arteries and veins and muscles. And I'm like, okay, maybe I should get my hands dirty. And we'd end up quizzing each other by like picking up stuff and like, Hey, what is this? What is that? So I learned a lot um, in undergrad cadaver lab, but I just don't know how different it'll be when it comes to like a grad school cadaver lab. Cause we do dissections and, um, I'm not sure that we're graded on dissections. We might be, but did you guys have dissections in your first year? You go first, Gabby. Yes. So in my program, we do have dissections. And we weren't graded on the actual, like, how we dissect, but we were just given a lab manual. And for each day or each session, it said, okay, you know, you need to focus on the superficial back muscles and make sure you see um, see all of these specific muscles because they're gonna be on the practical. But if you didn't have, you know, a great uh, cadaver, then you would go to other stations and see there what they did because, I mean, all cadavers are different and some are better than others. And so, uh, yeah, we weren't, you know, personally graded on our cuts and dissections. Uh, however, you know, obviously we weren't, you know, slicing through things we were supposed to have, but yeah, that's kind of how, that's how we did it. Sarah, what did you guys do? Yeah. So we also dissect what we have. We have groups of five. You have five people in your lab group and you have one cadaver per group. So our group of five, like you said, you're handed a lab manual and they don't grade you on like presentation or like because each human is different mm -hmm. not all the nerves are going to be where they're supposed to be not all the arteries are may not even be there maybe they had some kind of like motor vehicle accident and it's not there because they're missing it it's just gone and that's okay and the professor knows that but what you are graded on because you can't destroy everything mm. you do have to have things in there um as long as one person in the class had it, it was okay. But really, our professors did want us to have as much, excuse me, as much as we could in our particular cadaver. And like you said, it's easier to dissect somebody who maybe um, doesn't have like really high body fat percent or mm -hmm. something like that. That actually plays a big role in dissection. Um, it's way easier to dissect okay. if they're smaller. So like yeah. we had a pretty small cadaver. I don't know about you. We had a, a larger cadaver, but he was not uh, obese or anything. Like he, okay. it was, we were able to do it. However, you don't realize, sorry for anybody who's listening to this, but whenever you dissect a cadaver, you don't realize how much adipose tissue you really have. Oh. And it's kind of like, oh wow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how the cadaver is. But yeah, all of them are different. You do see really cool, you know, presentation. So yeah. I know some of the cadavers, like right when you get it, you figure out what their cause of death was. And then wait, do you find out right away? Yeah, we have what? a little we have a little card and it says, you know, age, cause of death. And so ours was a cardiovascular related um death, even though we didn't hit that until mid-semester. 
but then, you know, some cadavers had like renal failure or, you know, one had a knee replacement. So it's cool to see those things. In yes. No, we don't find out until the last day. Oh. Like it's a mystery. Like you're supposed to figure it out. Oh, wow. You know how your program does it? Um, I think it's similar to what you guys' programs do. It's like not like we're not graded on how we dissect, but we got to have the landmarks and structure showing. We can't obviously slice through everything. Um, that's what I was worried about is um, like I obviously we're not professionals at dissecting cadavers, but as long as we're not like held accountable for a, like a wrong angle of a cut and stuff. No. I think, yeah, it's more practical based of like pinning and then I have some question about written anatomy. So I haven't taken a written anatomy lecture until and since like freshman year of college. And like cadaver lab, like I loved it because it was so visual and hands-on that like you can actually know what you're looking at. So in terms of like the written anatomy exam, how'd those go for you guys? Um, were they difficult or poorly worded or? So the written exams for me, they were a little tougher because I didn't take anatomy like kind of you. like you since freshman year. Mm -hmm. And I didn't look at anatomy before I started because I knew we were all going to be on the same page and I wasn't not necessarily, not necessarily going to get ahead if I did look at it before school. And so I just really had to focus on, you know, the origins and insertions um, and innervations and actions just because I was like, okay, um, I'm a visual learner and I needed to see it on a skeleton, but then I needed to use complete anatomy. That will be your best friend. Um, and then, especially for your lab or your uh, lecture exam, seeing it like on the cadaver, which you'll have times or you'll, you should have access to your lab um, pretty much 24 seven, but just like actually seeing it visually and going through that really helps. Okay. Yeah, and I know, like you said, with lecture, it's hard because you can't see it. There's yeah. nothing to look at. So now you have to be better with terminology and saying, yeah. okay, which artery is superior to da-da-da-da-da and innervates whatever muscle. Um, that's kind of how ours went. So mm -hmm. for written, it was a lot of function, innervation, origin, mm -hmm. nerve, artery, and it was saying, okay, what if you were to slice here, mm -hmm. like what would be the landmarks from medial to lateral? Like what would be the things in order that you would see? And okay. then it would be a lot of actions too. It would be like all of the below are innervated by the superior gluteal artery mm -hmm. or something like that. Like yeah. which one is not? Um, and it was more asking about that. But yeah. I know, like we said, every program is different. You guys didn't even have we call them Fiona's function, innervation, origin, yeah. nerve, and artery, but most programs do have those. Like you have to know them for lunch. Yeah, some I've realized talking to different students, some students don't learn origins and origins and insertions in anatomy. So if your program doesn't do that, don't be alarmed. You'll probably get it later on. <laughs> Maybe not in anatomy, but I definitely definitely do that. Okay. My undergrad did it, and it's, it's actually kind of important. Especially for like forearm and, and kind of like just to see like where the muscles attach down the femur and mm -hmm. I I already hate thinking about it, but what really worked for me is like the flashcards. Mm -hmm. So especially for O's, I's and A's. And then obviously I'll try to we have this 
um, software called Anatomy and Physio Review or Anatomy and Physiology Revealed that we were forced to download in our undergrad. So they have a lot of like quizzes of like you can click to identify or it can be a lab practical. So that really helped with spelling and stuff. Um, so do you guys have any tips for the written anatomy? Because I've heard things of like no like big landmarks and then that way you can locate stuff around them or like what what techniques did you guys use when it came to like a really difficult written exam uh for a written exam yeah i mean i just use the landmarks and i usually you'll have multiple choice tests i would think mm -hmm. uh, most lecture exams for anatomy should be multiple choice and so it's a matter of you know one or two choices you're like ah oh, that's not you know by this landmark but then when it comes down to two that are very similar and may have um very similar innervations i don't know some some pro like some programs make you know the spinal levels um some are not so specific with that but uh if it comes down to two answers it's just you know going with your gut and sometimes you just have to guess because maybe that was one that you didn't uh, heavily focus on. And so, yeah, I would say like looking at landmarks and, um, that's kind of what I did or else I would have a piece of paper and I would just draw out the muscle because that really helped to draw it out. And then, you know, if I'm like, oh, I can't think about it and I keep going with the exam, then more likely than not, I would remember something and then a piece would come together and I would be like, okay, this is the correct answer and this is why it's different than the other one yeah lecture exams are hard <laughs> they really are <laughs> written exams are tough because uh, as future physical therapists most of us are more visual learners or we are hands-on like that's why most of us want to do pt you're hands-on you're visual people so it's very difficult to read something and be like try to imagine it in your head so i draw it immediately i get the oh, test <laughs> i flip it over to the back and i'm like okay we're gonna draw the muscles at the top we're gonna draw the bones here like the landmarks on the bones mm -hmm. we're gonna draw the nerves here we're gonna draw the arteries here and just do that as much as i can and then i actually take the test backwards because for me i can't do it forwards it just like is really causes me a lot of anxiety because people are turning the pages and i'm hearing them i'm like oh my gosh i'm behind so if i go backwards I know it's not gonna be in time with anyone else. I can turn the page at my own pace. Doesn't matter. That's what I do. <laughs> I like that. So physically draw in the back of your test, so like especially for structural stuff. And, yes, and, and I draw four separate ones. So muscles, bones, nerves, arteries, and that's it. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a good way to, to do it because I mean, we're all, like Sarah said, we're all mostly visual tactile learners so uh, those really helped with anatomy exams and then um, just utilizing the graduate assistants and tutors that will really help as well and uh, I mean I definitely utilize them throughout the semester and that really helped me just be more confident with and getting tested on okay someone's asking me what the specific structure is and they you know they've taken anatomy so they can give you tips on what to expect when it comes to lecture exams and they're different than lab practicals so how to do well in those because some students find that they do better on practicals than they do on lecture exams which is you know which is kind of normal i mean 
some people just do well with that. So yeah, yeah, they'll be more specific with the program, but that's what we do. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, did it help you? you guys? Did you guys like read before class of what uh, what was expected, or like did you start doing that and then once things got really busy, kind of just fell off? Or <laughs> <laughs> you first. Yeah. So I. But it I, doesn't really help. Like pre-read. I. I would say I. Let me. You can cut that out. <laughs> yes, that helps. Looking at the material before class prepared me when it came to uh, paying attention in lecture because the first semester you're paying attention and you want to know everything but this is like I'm just saying or present me I (laughs) don't sometimes I zone out in lecture and I I'm not as great with looking at it beforehand but what I would do at first I would look at the lecture material before I would get it during it during the lecture. So that's um, like the second exposure. And then right after class, I would skim through the notes again. And I did that for, I did that for a semester and then things just got busy and I got my routine down of how I study. And I didn't necessarily do that for all of my classes, but to start off with, that's a good, I would say, habit to, to have. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a good habit, but I personally never did it. I'll be quite honest with you. I didn't have time to do it. I felt like the beginning, the first two weeks of PT school, for me at least, were slow. Like, Mm -hmm. I felt like there wasn't anything to study. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But then the third week hit, and I was like, oh no. (laughs) What have I been doing with my life the last two weeks? Yeah. And then it just kind of spiraled down there. My first semester was terrible. I, if I had looked at things beforehand, I think it would have been a lot easier because then you can't get behind mm-hmm. and you're on top of it. And I actually, I wouldn't look at it right after the exam, like me personally, or not after the exam, after the lecture. Mm-hmm. I would look at it before, so then you're, like, prepped for lecture, but then I would give yourself a day Oh yeah, yeah to, like, sure. come back to it, so your okay. brain is kind of forced to retrieve it, and it's not so fresh. Okay. I read something like that in the, I think, DPT Diaries. She, she scheduled out, I think, Saturday mornings just to go over um, previous lectures and lecture notes, just, like, a given time each time of the week to just go over what you um, learn. That's something I didn't do in undergrad, so I'm like trying to adapt that. And like pre-readings, like like you said, um, I don't think I'll do it for every class, but for those classes that matter, like obviously anatomy, um, that's what I have to do tonight. Gray's basic anatomy, pages eight through thirty. So um, that's what I'm gonna do. But yeah, I kind of want to be familiar with it, but I don't like. I feel like I'm not the type of guy to read every word of the assigned reading and then like, I don't know, take notes on it and stuff. Cause obviously the textbook is like, it gives you a full general analysis and like um, detailed explanations of everything we're going to see. But then I would see professors, I think um, they have their own lectures and they, they show what you want. They show you what they want you to know for specific exams and stuff. So like, I don't want to spend too much time trying to know everything because obviously there's so like we're PTs, like there's so much to know. It's never ending. Um, but yeah, I'm going to adapt to your tactics of just like being familiar with the material, 
um, trying to be attentive in lecture. I know it gets tiring, but it's not like it's like boring stuff, I feel like, because this all relates to PT. And then obviously reinforcing after, I think, is key. Um, so like one more question. Yeah. You have um, like a study partner, just like a group of people that you got, that got, that you got together with to go over like anatomy practicals and stuff or like were you guys solo studiers or how long did it take you to adapt to like a system of like reintegrating material with other people because I know it can be distracting but then I know it can be also like very beneficial if you find the right person so yes for sure so I would say having both is really important personally in first semester I utilize more group studying than than I have or that was probably the most group studying first and second semester than um, it is now. But I like to study the material myself and then one to two days before the exam, go over it and you know, have one to two people, um, I would say up to four, but no more than four because then it just gets distracting. Mm -hmm. But just kind of talking through concepts, asking questions because you there's always something that you might not you might not catch and you're like oh you know that could be a potential uh topic or something that's going to be on the exam like that little minor detail and it's good to get different perspectives because everybody studies a little differently so coming together a day or two a day or two before really helped especially with anatomy i would say by far and when you get more into your musculoskeletal classes that also really helps so that would be my studying but I'm a solo studier for the most part okay yeah I would say something very similar so I did solo studying a lot um but what was really helpful which I didn't actually get into the groove first semester was just like a really rough transition um mm -hmm. and it it took me I think I didn't really feel good until the second semester um that's when I started feeling good about okay this is what I need to do personally to study and to do well on exams. So what I found is anything more than a group of four was too many people mm -hmm. for me. Um, I had three usually was the perfect number because if it's two and you both don't know it, you both feel really dumb, yep. but usually the third person knows it. <laughs> and then you have two other perspectives besides your own. Um, and I would do that for anatomy, it would be like two days before or the day before. So it is really fresh and you just take a whiteboard and I draw it out just like I, just like how I would draw it out on the exam, make a cheat sheet on the whiteboard and then you're taking that and doing it. Ah, the whiteboard. There you yes. go. Look at you. you got for the people who there. can't, obviously you can't see it, but you got a huge whiteboard. You got a, yeah, you got a huge whiteboard. So use that. Yeah, use that. <laughs> use that. <laughs> Definitely will. Definitely use it. Mm -hmm. For me, I would make the arteries red clearly, mm -hmm. <laughs> very cliche, and the nerves like yellow or mm -hmm. something, okay. and the muscles were like black. I just yeah. use a black marker, blue, and mm -hmm. bones were, I don't know, whatever colors left, yeah. green. Even if you're not artistic, you know your own drawings, and oh, no yeah. one's gonna look like, no one's gonna you know, no, like you don't have to be artistically talented to draw muscles out because yeah. they're fairly simple, even for the worst draw drawers. Can't say that. <laughs> the artist. The artist. <laughs> I should just say artist. Um, so yeah, that would be that's good. 
you already have the whiteboard so that's awesome yeah it really helps with like just like rewriting O's as and A's for spelling I'll just like rewrite it erase it rewrite it erase it yeah and obviously drawing is huge oh for sure yeah that's awesome but I was gonna say it was so great talking to you and hearing your story was absolutely incredible and just you have to reflect too of how far you've come from last this time last year so August yeah. of 2018 to <laughs> wait now I was about to say August 2017 I was like wait, August 2018 until now and to see how far you've come which is awesome but you are going to do so well in your program and for everybody listening sorry I don't there is a light at the end of the tunnel yes keep that in mind yeah. it gets tough because it one year ago today it was just like I was living in like a world of uncertainty of just like don't know where I'm gonna go don't know if I'll get an acceptance before April because like that's my fear just like not hearing like hearing crickets until like summer and um so it was just like it went from me applying to try to get one interview and get into one school to like literally me just like getting back from my first day of school a year later. It's crazy. So <laughs> thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. I'm glad I got to tell you guys my story. I like sharing my story because it's like, I don't know, it's kind of like the underdog story. It just tells you like never give up. It sounds cliche, but like – I never would have thought I'd be sitting in this chair right now, like in North Carolina, just like studying for my next, I have like a quiz tomorrow. So I'll be taking my first quiz of PT school tomorrow. So it's great. Yes, you got <laughs> this. And it'll be the first quiz. And then you'll look back. You're going to have so many more quizzes and so many exams. Yep. And then you're going to be like, yeah. It's, mm -hmm. Someone needs to keep track. Like I need to count. I don't know if that's a thing, but counting how many exams and quizzes you have for like your whole entire PT school career. It's going to be a lot. It's a lot, but that just happened to my Keep mind. Keep that in. Take it day by day and week by week. If I think about all that I have to do in like the next year or two, like I'd start crying, but I'm just going to yeah, start don't taking Don't worry about that. But one just... week at a time, what's due, what's needed, and then I'll go on to next week and the week after, and hopefully I'll – I'll be like you guys and in, into your second year and chilling. <laughs> chilling. <laughs> You'll, yeah, second year is, it's not, it's not, it's more application. Yeah, it's more First application. year is all going to be your base. And then mm -hmm. second yeah. year is application. Definitely. Second year is by far way better than the first yeah. year. <laughs> and that fear of like failing out will just be gone because like I'm already so like cemented into the program gain confidence and doing well and stuff so yeah one day I'll one day I'll be there oh, you'll, you'll be you'll be here and it was so good talking to you thank you guys for listening and for people who want to reach out to you where can they find you on social media um so I'm on and pats on instagram um it's a-a-n-a-n-d-p-a-t-z and yeah, I'm on there. I'm on Twitter, but I never use it. I just like read stuff and then not giving my Snapchat out, obviously. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Whatever you want to give. So yeah. That, yeah. Exactly. Um, so if you guys have any questions when it comes to applying or anything about school, I'm, I'm happy to answer. Um, I've been trying to help people out 
of just like people that went to my undergrad that are applying this cycle. So I've like kind of been a personal coach to them. I'm just like, okay, you need to do this and this and market yourself like this and that. And one of them actually just sent in their apps. So he's like, he's like, if I get in, man, like I owe it to you and stuff. So I'm kind of using the people that helped me like Joseph and SSPT to kind of like make an impact in my own little world. Yes, definitely do that. Utilize your mentors, utilize people around you and it's going to help so much. Yeah, I'm excited for you. Keep us updated and we'll chat soon, I'm sure. Okay, I'll be in touch with you guys. Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description.